before the goodness starts flowing, I want to welcome you to the STR Sisterhood, real life stories from real life women in the short-term rental industry. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, ex-corporate girl who discovered how to replace her six-figure salary through short-term rentals and who now has the pleasure of helping others do the same. On this show, we talk to real women in the short-term rental space about their journeys and how they've managed to turn their STR dreams into reality. If you're an ambitious woman who's looking to build a successful short-term rental business, you are in the right place, sister. Welcome to another episode of the STR Sisterhood. I'm your host, Stacey St. John, and oh my goodness, I am so glad to be spending a few minutes with you today. Thank you so much for inviting me into your home, your car, your office, wherever I am. I might be in the gym with you right now, who knows, but I am grateful to spend a few minutes together. Now, before we dive into today's episode, you know it, girl, I'm going to share a quote with you that recently jumped out at me and resonated with me. And it says, someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this too was a gift. And those beautiful words came from Mary Oliver, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. Now, in today's episode, we are delving into the inspiring journey of Esmeralda Alba, someone who turned challenges into triumphs. You're going to hear how she once relied on public assistance and has since transformed her life into being a thriving entrepreneur and proud owner of nine short-term rentals. Stay tuned for a story of resilience, ambition, and entrepreneurial achievement. Let's go ahead and dive into my conversation with Esmeralda. So today we are in for a treat. We are sitting down with Esmeralda Alba, one of my most favorite people on the globe. Esmeralda, I'm so excited to be here with you today. Oh, thanks, Stacey. Thank you for having me. I feel honored, honored, honored to be on this podcast with, with you. Oh. So, thank you. so Today, we're going to be talking all about your journey of coming into your own, becoming an entrepreneur, starting out from very humble beginnings. And today, you have a thriving portfolio of short-term rentals. And if I know anything about you, you probably have lots of plans for the future in your mind, too. But we're also going to maybe peel back some layers and and share some vulnerable parts of your story. So first, I just want to say thank you for like stepping outside of your comfort zone and being willing to to share, because I think uh, a lot of people will resonate with your story and and find inspiration in in what you have to say. So thank you, first and foremost. So again, I want to go back to the early stages. Today, you have several thriving businesses. You have a short-term rental portfolio. You're self-managing. You're on fire. But it wasn't always like that. So I thought I would have you just start off and talk with everyone about, you know, your early years before becoming an entrepreneur. 
What was that like? Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So, so I'm a mom of five incredible kids, three bio and two bonus kids. I'm also a Gigi, which is a, a grandma to two going on three, three grandbabies, oh. New York City native. I've always been a lifelong student, definitely no expert by any means in any particular field, but I've always, you know, followed in the footsteps of like other successful people. I make it a point to always surround myself with people that kind of have the same mindset as I do. And uh, yeah, I never really take no for an answer. So I've, you know, what, what's that thing that you say? It's everything is figure outable. Yeah. Yeah. I always figure out a way, even if it seems impossible, I always figure out a way. So yeah, we were, you know, latchkey kids growing up in New York City. I was born to immigrant parents and, you know, we had a pretty humble but wonderful upbringing, really great childhood. And, you know, in 2003, I married the love of my life, (laughs) who is also an immigrant, an immigrant from the Dominican Republic. So I'll start off with just like sharing that, that story. So my husband, not many people know this, and I don't really share, you know, just our closest friends and family really know, but my husband lived in as, as an illegal immigrant here in the U.S. for a better part of 17 years. And I contribute our family's success in part due to my husband's drive to get himself and his family out of poverty. The immigrant mentality here is, you know, when immigrants arrive into the U.S., they they work really, really hard to provide for their families and, and really live to have or to acquire that American dream which we were able to succeed all thanks to the opportunities that he was, you know, given when he arrived here in the U.S. So, yeah. So for a very, very long time, we lived in this constant fear, right? So I'm sure that a lot of people could relate to this, especially people that are, you know, immigrants and those that are married to immigrants. But we lived with this, like this just looming fear of, of deportation, you know, our family, really just my husband and myself, my kids never really knew the story of what was going on. We kind of just like kept all this stuff to ourselves. And, you know, it was very debilitating at times to kind of live under this fear of like the unknown of something just happening where in the blink of an eye, we would lose everything and our entire family. So I want to ask you about that. And forgive me because I might ask you some very naive questions. Okay. But when your husband was living as someone who is an illegal alien, as again, there might be more politically correct terms and I apologize. I, to- I totally am not trying to offend anyone. No, no. But I mean, is it just constant thinking that someone's going to come knocking on your door? How would your husband earn a living? Like what would he need to do to earn a living? What was that like? Walk us through that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the majority of immigrants here that are illegal, you know, that's basically what it is. That's the correct terminology and and illegal immigrants or illegal alien usually always live under that fear, right? Of somebody coming in and like, you know, reporting them and, you know, them being torn away from their families and he would make a living. And a lot of immigrants, unfortunately, don't make a very good living, right? Because they are having to get paid under the table, quote unquote, and oftentimes not making livable wage, you know, meaning that they have to take on two, three jobs, even sometimes just to support themselves and their families. 
Okay. And correct me if I'm wrong. Did you come to this country as a child or were you born here? I was born here. Yes. I was born here to uh, immigrant parents. Okay. To immigrant parents. Mm -hmm. And just tell us, how did you meet your husband? What, what was that story? So it was... (laughs) It was at a nightclub, believe it or not. You know, I mean, well, it's just partying up, girlfriend. No. I lived in my twenties. I gotta tell you that it was in a nightclub, and it was really by chance. We kind of just like you know locked eyes with each other, and uh, you know he had me dancing all night, all night long. Uh, but funny story was is that we at the time uh, cell phones weren't a thing, right? Sure. I don't know if you remember beepers or pagers. Oh like, yeah, sure. That was the thing, right? Girl, I, I'm old enough before even beepers and pagers, okay? <laughs> so uh, he gave me his pager and I gave him my house number at the time. You know, I was living I was living on my own. I was a single mom at the time, actually, to my oldest son. And I gave him my house number and we had been trying to connect probably for a good two to three months. So anytime I would page him, he would call me back hours later and I either wasn't home or I wasn't at work or whatever mm-hmm missing each other. And, and uh, one night, you know, my cousins and I went back to the same like nightclub uh, three months later, actually, I hadn't seen him in three months. And uh, we found each other again. And we never, you know, we've been together ever since. Oh, that is so cool. He made it a point to not lose me that time. He was just like, I need to know where you live. I need to know where you <laughs> Are you a business owner or manager aiming to scale your property portfolio? Well, we have got something exciting for you. Our friends over at Hostfully put together this brand new free ebook on that very topic. Hostfully is the go-to software that managers and business owners use to run their operations. So what does this have to do with your growth? Well, Hostfully sees how some of the fastest growing short-term rental operators succeed and over the last year have been compiling and distilling these strategies into actionable insights that anyone can implement. So whether you're currently managing a single property or a few, and if you want to scale, Hostfully's free ebook is tailored to your journey. I can't believe they lay it all out like this. Honestly, this is a resource I wish I would have had when I started my STR journey a few years back. So if you're ready to take your property management game to the next level, head over to www.hostfully.com slash sisterhood and download their ebook today. It is totally free. And on top of that, they're offering STR Sisterhood listeners a sweet deal on some of their software to help supercharge your growth. Don't miss out, my friends. Get the ebook and nab the deal while it's live by going to www.hostfully.com slash sisterhood. Okay, now... If I might ask at this time, like, it's not like you have a conversation early on, like, hey, what's your immigration status? Like, how did that conversation come into play? And I'm going to venture to say by that point, you already knew he was the one, right? I did. Yeah, I did. And and it did not come into play until actually two to three months later. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I never asked. It wasn't something that even crossed my mind. It was just 
it just never crossed my mind to even ask him. And then, you know, he knew that he had to tell me because things, even though it was just a few short months, things were getting very, very serious between us. So he knew that he had to share that information with me. And I'm pretty sure that he was very scared to do mm-hmm. so. Because I'm pretty sure he may have thought that that would have been a deal breaker for us. But, you know, it wasn't, you know, considering that my parents were also immigrants. That was just the norm. It wasn't anything. It was just like, all right, so what can we do to kind of change your status? Let's do something to to make sure that you're you're able to stay here, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was that part. Yeah, that was it. So you, okay, so you were proactive. You knew there was an opportunity for him to change his immigration status early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know the ins and outs at all. I had no idea how it worked. I just kind of thought, you know, I remember my mom going through the similar process and she actually taking me to the immigration offices when I was a kid. And it was just like, all right, you just go to these offices, you know, every so often. And then, you know, eventually you have your paperwork. Okay. And I thought that that's, that's the way it it rolled and it's nothing like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now I'm fast forwarding. So, you know, at this point, Hey, this guy is the one for me, you know, you've got potentially this gray cloud over your shoulders that are going to follow you everywhere. And like you said, you're living in fear. Once you get married and, you know, again, talk to us a little bit about that journey. Cause I think if I'm not mistaken, even after you got married, things were tough for you. Correct? Yeah, correct. Um, so essentially during that time, it was right after nine 11 and it was extremely difficult for immigrants to get any kind of legal status in the country because of what happened after 9-11. So, you know, even though we submitted all his paperwork and we began the process, it it didn't happen. It didn't happen for a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. And talk to me about then your business and supporting your family. What did you do for work? Yeah, so I worked in a hospital. I did case management services for a mental health and substance abuse hospital. Case management and getting our clients insurance, public assistance, believe it or not, I actually was a part of helping other people get help, which eventually later on I would need the help myself, which is a little crazy. But yeah, that's what I did. I did that for a good, you know, 10 to 15 years. My husband, you know, in the meantime, always had all these odd jobs, right? So he picked up, you know, shifts here and there, and he landed a job with a window cleaning company in the city. And he worked there for probably about good, I don't know, seven or eight years before the owner sold the company. And uh, the new owners of the company made lots of changes, right? A lot of them was they really just cut his shifts in half. So he wasn't making the money that he was making before. And it was becoming, you know, very difficult for him to be able to support his family. We decided after some time that it would be best for us to start our own window cleaning business. You know, the overhead cost at the time was not very much. Mm -hmm. And it was something that he could do on his own. You know, it wasn't like he had to, you know, we had to have like a whole, you know, huge company. Right. But he could do it on his own little by little and, and become his own boss and, you know, not have to worry about your hours, your pay or any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so you started this window cleaning business together, right? And you're still working full time at the time. I was still working full time. Yep. I was still working full time. It kind of came about really after the recession of 2008, you know, we had faced job losses and and lots of cutbacks. And, you know, at the time I was actually forced 
to rely on public assistance in order to keep our family afloat, you know, in order to put food on the table or keep a roof over our heads. And it was very, very difficult. So yeah, that was really the beginning stages of us kind of saying, all right, we've got to do something more because this is just not, it's just not happening. Having to, you know, worry about getting laid off. And at that time, both of us at the same time had gotten laid off. So it was, yeah, it was very, very scary. So I think it's just really important. And I'm sorry to like jump in and ask you all these questions, but I think it is so important for people to understand the backstory because I want... I want them to obviously understand where you are today, but I think the context of this is super important. So financially, we are climbing an uphill battle. You are living in constant fear that the love of your life is going to be deported. And all the while, I'm assuming, you have to put on a happy face for your kiddos. Right. And I'm sure internally you were stressing the heck out. Now, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but (laughs) that has to be a lot of weight on your shoulders. Yeah. It felt like tons and tons and tons of weight, just like constantly on my shoulders. You're absolutely right. And so you started this window cleaning business. What were you responsible for? What was your husband responsible for? I'm I'm going to say he was probably responsible for cleaning the windows, but you tell me. (laughs) Yeah, that was it. You know, he, you know, I was working a full-time job at the time still when we began the business and I would kind of have to sneak off and pick up the phone in the restroom sometimes whenever we got, you know, a client that called us and uh, just go back a little bit. We had actually made up some little like business cards and he would go to the buildings that he had really good relationships with the supers and the management, you know, the, the management officers there and just handed cards. And he just literally went door to door, just handing cards. And, uh, you know, that happened for about a year and we maybe, maybe would get one to two clients a, a month. So at the time, you know, I was still working. He was doing all of the physical labor and I was just doing all the administrative stuff. So I'd make sure that we get, you know, all of our insurances were were straightened out. I made sure that, you know, I was scheduling people when they needed to be scheduled and getting back to them. A lot of times I wouldn't, you know, I'd get calls in the middle of the day. I couldn't answer the phone. I'd, you know, wait till sometimes I had to wait until I got out of work in order to answer them back. And it was, yeah, it was fun. (laughs) And so... At what point did you start to feel like, hey, all this hard work is like paying off and I'm starting to see that we're making an impact in a positive way on our financial situation. What Was there a moment when that happened or talk to us a little bit about that? So I feel like it kind of gradually happened, you know, after year one of us really just struggling was when we started to get consistent clients, right? So we mm-hmm. are, we had repeat clients that would just call us back all the time. We worked in a lot of buildings that would call us whenever they needed vacant apartments to be cleaned out. And, you know, it was just like little by little, you know, it was almost like a, a snowball effect. Mm-hmm you will. And I want to say after year one, leading into year three, it was actually getting a little too much for me. Like I would get home from work to then work again. And it was, I would be up to like 12, one o'clock in the morning and then have to be up at five o'clock in the morning the next day to go back to my nine, nine to five job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just so happened that we, you know, we landed a, 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 a really big contract with this amazing, you know, company that we're still, you know, we still service today that 
pretty much covered my uh, my salary for the year, wow. which is incredible. And it was just like, that was like the aha moment. Like, this is just one contract, you know? This is just one contract and it, it completely covers my whole salary. And then my husband's like, you're quitting. He's like, that's it, you're quitting. Like, we gotta do this full time because I could see that if you're in this full time, working this business full time, we do us doing this together on a full-time basis that we're just going to, you know, we're going to excel. And that's exactly what happened. I love it. I love it. And so fast forward to how did you then get into the world of short-term rentals from where you were at that point? Yeah. So, all right. So after, of course, the pandemic hit, we were living in a state of, again, uncertainty, which I would actually like to if I can reverse back. Oh, girl. Yes, absolutely. Tell the story before the short-term rentals hit. So in 2019, after 10 years of waiting for my husband's status to change, uh, his immigration status to change, he was finally granted a visa interview with immigration for his green card. However, he had to travel back to the Dominican Republic to do it because the appointment was being held at the U.S. Embassy in the Dominican Republic. Did that scare the bejeebies out of you? As you can't even imagine. Like, the fear and anxiety, I mean, it was just like tenfold at this time, right? I was just like, oh my gosh, there's no turning back. Like, we had already submitted all the documents. They had all of our information. We couldn't just not show up because then that would really be a big problem. So... You know, even though at the time we had been married for 16 years, we at the time we had two children of our own. We had already brought his girls in from the Dominican Republic. I had a petition for them to come in two years prior to that. You know, we were raising these five kids. We had just purchased our first primary house the year before that. And we were running our business. Like we had everything on the line. Everything was on the line. And on February 3rd, 2020, our lives as we knew it, would change forever, changed forever. So we both flew back to the Dominican Republic where we would attend my husband's immigration visa interview. Mm-hmm. And he was granted permanent residency in the United States. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the relief, I mean, the relief, I can't even explain it. Like before it was like a hundred tons of just like stress, anxiety, fear, you know, mm-hmm. just sit off of my shoulders in that moment. It was really incredible. It really, really was. And, you know, I, I kept going back and re reliving the interview and trying to ask my husband, like, are you sure that she said that we, that you got approved? You know, are you sure this is for real? It was in another part of the country. So his friend had actually picked us up the night before we stayed at his place and we were going to take the bus back to where he, uh, to where he, his hometown is. And it was a two and a half hour bus ride. And I just remember, you know, we were just sitting in silence the entire two and a half hours. I mean, tears streaming down our faces, like really just like, it was just like, it's finally over, you know? It was finally, finally over. And on February 28th, 2020, we flew back to the US. Wow. Just 10 days before the WHO declared COVID-19 a pandemic. Wow. If like God wasn't watching over us and our family, like, I don't know who was, because, Mm -hmm. you know, at after March, I think it was like March 10th or 11th, the country just shut down. All travel shut down, all borders shut down. So we were able to make it back to our families before the craziness of COVID-19 happened. Yeah. So if that interview would have been scheduled a few days later, you would not have made it back into the country. 
No. Both of us. Both of us. Wow. And where were your kiddos staying when you flew down there? My mom was staying here with them. Okay. So thank goodness. Obviously, you know, my mom was here. They were going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. still, it was just like, and we had no idea. We were completely, we were so, you know, absorbed with all the immigration sure. stuff that we, I didn't know anything about this COVID-19 stuff. And apparently it had been circulating for months and I had no idea because I was just so focused on getting through this whole immigration process that mm -hmm. I was oblivious to everything else that was happening around us. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was going to say it was probably such a huge roller coaster ride, obviously up until that point, And you felt like you were flying high. Then the country shuts down after you're back in the U.S. How did that impact your window cleaning business? So at first, you know, it was almost like 2000, you know, 2010, 2011 or all over again. Mm -hmm. It was almost like we were brought right back to where we were 10 years prior. And it was just like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> All this great stuff. And now we're going to lose our livelihood. Now we're going to lose everything. You know, how are we going to pay the mortgage? How are we going to pay our car notes? How are we going to do so many things? And, uh, you know, luckily, you know, thank God, knock on wood. You know, I know a lot of people weren't as lucky as we were. But because we were in the service industry, we were technically deemed essential workers. Okay. So because of that, uh, once the buildings, because these are all residential buildings that we live in, they're all residential, because, you know, once the, the, the state of New York kind of just started, like, letting, you know, things start moving again, which is really about maybe like two to three months later, I want to say by June, we started working again. So we were, you know, we were down for three months. And luckily, you know, my husband is, is he's a super frugal and doesn't like to spend money. And, you know, luckily we had, you know, we had months, so we had saved, we had savings, you know, we had mm -hmm. savings that kind of brought us through that three month period. And, uh, you know, luckily we were also able to pay the staff that we had, you know, for a couple of months off of that, which was like such a blessing. And, you know, it went from, you know, crickets, no work at all to all of a sudden we were just bombarded with work. Like we were just overflowing with work. We ended up having to hire a ton of people and, you know, it was, it was a crazy time. And, and, you know, I told him, I said, we've got to do something else because the fact that we just had one stream of income coming in and something as, you know, big as COVID-19 shut that down. You know, we yeah. had nothing else coming in. We didn't, you know, we applied for all of these government, you know, aids and, and PPP loans and all that stuff. And we weren't approved for any of that stuff. So it was just like, no, we've got to do something else. There's got to be something that we, there's got to be another stream of income that we got mm -hmm. to start figuring out because we can't depend on just the window cleaning business uh, to kind of pull us through because God forbid this happens again, we're going to be in trouble you know? And, uh, yeah, we, we actually started out looking at, um, long-term rentals. So we really were investigating the possibility of purchasing homes and renting them out and, uh, multifamily homes to be exact. And mm -hmm. the money was just not, it just wasn't appealing to me. It was mm -hmm. just doing a lot of work and you're, you know, putting so much money down for like really pennies. The return is nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, one day I was, listening to podcasts and I heard Avery Carl on this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And you were her guest. Oh. 
more guests on this podcast. And I was just like, that's it. That's it. Like, this is where we need to be. This is the, the you know, this is the path that I'm going to take. And uh, I had, you know, I was just like, all right, that's it. We're going to do it. I, I just bought all of the things, subscribed to all of the, you know, all of these crazy courses and seminars and all that stuff. And I was just like, you know, I, I need to learn as much as I possibly can because before I jump into this, because I also didn't want to, you know, it's a lot, it's, these are big investments that you have to make. So I didn't want to jump in this blindly, not knowing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's kind of how, how it got started. (laughs) Wow. That like brings tears to my eyes because I actually did not know that story. And I think it, it really makes me emotional because I really do want to help people. And I know you are like that. And I think it just, you know, it comes full circle where you are out there killing it. And guess what? You know, we're all learning stuff each and every day. And I think if we can just all um, try to help one another and put our best foot forward and pay it forward, I honestly believe that the world will be a better place. And it sounds so cliche and silly, but no, you're absolutely right. And the reason why I resonated so much with you, and I still do, you know, it's, you truly get from the heart, you know, you give and you give and you give and you don't ever expect anything in return and you give valuable information. So I rave about you all the time. Anytime anybody's ever asking about, you know, wanting to get into this kind of business and they want ask me questions. I'm like, yeah, you got to hook up with Stacey St. John. She's the person <laughs> you need to connect with to get everybody else. You know, she's the person, you know, she's the real deal. She's the one that's going to help you kind of like navigate through this process. And it, and it's true. And I really do appreciate you, you know, creating all of this, creating the space for us women to kind of just like be surrounded by other women that want to be doing this exact same thing. So yeah. I thank you. I thank you so much. You're so, you're so, you don't realize how important you are in this space and in this community. Gosh, I don't even know what to say. I'm just, thank you. Gives me goosebumps and it makes me excited to do more. You know what I mean? I think that's so cool. So cool. All right. So I want to ask you a little bit about you obviously educated yourself. I know, obviously, you're a very active member of my community of my mentoring and mastermind program. And I know that you're also, you know, out there learning all the things listening to other podcasts and reading books and all that kind of fun stuff. You are a lifelong learner. I am curious about what you learned from your stages in before you had your window cleaning business and in your window cleaning business, what you learned early on that you feel like has helped you in your short-term rental business? Oh, goodness. You know, I kind of, I have no business background at all, like zero, zilch. Everything that I've learned, I've kind of just like learned by growing through it. I just mm-hmm. learned the processes and I guess management is a big side of it. You know, manage obviously managing your short-term rentals, but like managing our window cleaning business really helped with my transition into now managing these yeah, some rentals and long-term rentals and stuff. And I want to say that it was just, you know, just listening to other people, watching what other people are doing. And I don't know. 
<laughs> now, okay, but I also want to talk to you about your grit and your hustle because I also know that about you and I love it about you. But even when you were talking about early on, like you would get home from work and then OMG, you would stay up in the evenings till midnight, one o'clock, whatever. Where did that drive come from? Do you feel like it's always been a part of you? Do you feel like it was just a product of you had to do it? You didn't have a choice. Talk to us a little bit about that fire in your belly. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt like, you know, that's how we were raised. Like we were kind of just raised like you really have to work uber hard all of the time. Like if you ever want to be successful in life and if you want good things in life, like you have to really, really work hard for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, Yes, I do get lazy sometimes. Yes, I do want to sit on the couch and not do things sometimes. But I know that that's only maybe like 90, like 5% of the time, right? Like, <laughs> you were going to say 95% of the time. Wait a minute, Esmeralda. No. <laughs> 95% of the time I'm sitting down at my desk and working. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, that's just the entrepreneurial life. Like yeah. you're just constantly working. You're just constantly learning and, but for me, for me, it's, you know, I want to give myself, my family a better life. Like I want to be able to provide all the things I want to take my parents on vacation and, you know, do things for my, for my grandkids and my nieces and my nephews. And, and I don't want to ever feel as though money is, you know, this like obstacle, right? Like I just need to, oh my God, I've, you know, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Like I've, one of the reasons why I resonated a lot with you in the beginning was because of your mindset, like this abundance mindset. And I got into that many, many years ago. And it's just like, I, I try, I mean, it's obviously you're human. So you're always going to, the first thing that you're going to start thinking is like you're lacking, you're lacking, yeah. money, you're lacking this, you're lacking that. And uh, it's all about just like changing that mindset, doing a quick, like, uh, 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 you know, telling your brain to stop thinking all those negative thoughts and just like, bring it back around again and start, you know, telling yourself like, okay, I have all that I need. I have more than enough. And then that's it. Just keep working, 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 working. And, and eventually like, yes, this is a lot of work and it's very stressful, but I feel like there's a reason for that now because eventually, you know, we'll be able to take, you know, time off and not have to worry about working 24 seven because we yeah. built these businesses where we kind of like run themselves. Amen to that. And I think too, with the abundance mindset, it is something that I absolutely wholeheartedly believe was a complete game changer in my life. When I learned how to train my brain, when I learned how to identify the self-talk that was negative and shut it down, like game changer, lights out game changer. And I think for anybody listening, it's really important to know that that is a learned skill. If you don't have that today, that is okay. You just learn how to do it. And it is something that obviously you need to learn how to implement, but it's also a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, it is a choice that you and I make every day to have that abundance mindset to think big, to dream big, and then go after our dreams, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm just curious, you know, if you were talking to someone who maybe didn't have that abundance mindset, besides encouraging them to learn how to do it, what else would you give to them as advice? 
Oh, I'm really big on vision boards. I love, love, love vision boards. So like I have, you know, lots of friends and family that kind of like are always coming to me for advice. And I'm just like, listen, you have to put it out there, right? If you want something to occur in your life, you have to, you know, put it out there into the universe. What are ways that you can do that? Get a big poster board, you know, start printing out or writing out goals or dreams or desires that you want to have in your life. And you're going to see it every single day. You're going to post it somewhere where you're looking at it every single day. And you're still going to have to work hard to achieve those goals. But eventually, these things are going to start coming into fruition because you're seeing them every single day and you're working towards those desires and those goals and those dreams, and those, you know, that you listed there. So yeah, vision boards are big, big for me. I love that. I have a sign in my office. I have like 47,000 signs in my office because I surround myself with these signs everywhere that just bring encouragement. But this sign says dreams don't work unless you do. And I think for so many people who I would say I have seen in my life who have untapped potential or are not go-getters, they're waiting for their dreams to just happen to them. Yeah. Whereas if you are intentional about going after your dreams and accepting nothing less, you might have some curves in the road. You might have some unexpected bumps that you go through, but when you're intentional about your dreams, you absolutely can bring them to life. 100%. I agree with that 100%. So talk to us a little bit about your short-term rental portfolio today. What does that look like? And what is next for Esmeralda? Yeah. So currently we have a total of nine investment properties. It's actually going to be eight probably soon. <laughs> we had uh, two units that uh, one of them went under contract, the other one fell through. So we still currently have nine units. We have started investing in my husband's home country, which is the Dominican Republic. We had a house that we built about 10 years ago. And what we did was we added an ADU and had two units built up top. Uh, one of them we kept for ourselves. It's like a, a you know, our own little personal apartment and the other two are, are long-term rentals. And we also went into under contract the last one to two months for two pre-construction properties in the Dominican Republic, one in Santiago, which is like the city, like the capital city, and the other in Punta Cana. So I'm excited about that. Amazing. Yes. How cool is that though, that, you know, again, your story has come full circle and now you can go enjoy uh, the Dominican. And I don't want to say live life as a traveler because you have roots there, but enjoy it and experience it in a different way now. Yeah, it really is. It really is. You know, for so many years, like my husband was not able to travel, you know, for so many years, he was not able to see his family. And it's just like, we've, you know, we, we kind of made it a point like, all right, like we love it here. You know, my family, my mom's family is still there. Like she's currently still there. Actually, my mom goes two to three months at a time sometimes. So it's, you know, we do still have our roots there and uh, we enjoy being there. And it's like, what other way to kind of like, you know, be able to live out our, I don't know, our golden years traveling to different yeah. areas, specifically like where we, you know, where we invest in, you know, the fact that it's his home country, it's like, it makes it that much, you know, that much better. Exactly. I love that. I love that. So I want to ask you just to wrap up 
if you could describe anything that you've learned about yourself throughout this journey, you know, obviously several years in the making, but you've come from, again, humble beginnings through a lot of heartache and strife to clawing your way into a thriving business that now allows you to invest in real estate and create a different financial future for your family. What has Esmeralda learned about herself? I've learned that I am resilient AF. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I don't really ever like to look at it like that, but I really, you know, I really am like we've, you know, we've come through, we've been through a lot and we struggled a whole lot. And I'm really proud of where we are today because of all of the resilience that we, that we've had to endure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. With that, I want to move to the lightning round. Okay. I'm going to ask you to answer with the very first thing that comes to mind. Hopefully the questions won't be too hard. Okay. First question, where's your favorite place to vacation? Oh, I mean, it's got to be the Dominican Republic, right? (laughs) So, I mean, aside from it being um, just a really beautiful, beautiful country, um, you know, our family's still there. My husband's family's still there. So we love to visit as much as we can now Mm -hmm. um, so that we kind of have that reconnection again to all of our family members. So definitely I love to visit the, the DR. Awesome. Okay. What's one place you've never been that you want to visit? Oh, Europe. So I am, I'm a very nervous flyer, like super nervous. And I've only been able to build up, I think the highest, the longest uh, air, airplane, the longest uh, plane ride or flight, plane ride flight I've ever taken was actually to Costa Rica, which is five hours, right? And that was brutal. So I'm trying to build up my tolerance to like yeah. longer flights to eventually be able to travel to Europe. I want to do Spain and Italy and France and London and all this stuff. So definitely Europe. All the places. All the, all the places. All right. What's one thing you know now that you wished you knew when you were starting out in the world of short-term rentals? Oh, gosh. One thing I know now is that you don't have to know all of the things in order to get started. I was so fearful of getting into this business and not knowing every single aspect of it that it took me, you know, over a year to run my properties on my own. I had them self-manage. I had them run managed by other property management companies mm-hmm. because I felt like I just didn't know enough. And you learn you learn along the way. Just like anything else, you kind of learn as you go. I feel like if you just get the basics down and, you know, just just do it. Don't wait, just just do it. Amen to that. All right. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Oh, my goodness. The best piece of advice I've ever been given. So I've had too much advice because I'm always asking for advice. That's that's, (laughs) I'm always asking for advice. Oh, my gosh. There's probably in a mug somewhere. But don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. You know, just, just do it. Just do it. Just do the thing. Love it. Okay. Last question. What's one thing and or person that you're grateful for today? Oh, I want to say, aside from you, because I'm super grateful for you, but I'm really grateful for my my accountability pod ladies. I love them so much. Alicia, Beatrice, Anchin, we keep each other 
so connect like we're connected every single day almost it feels like and i'm just so grateful for their you know their ears their advice their guidance like we talk and kind of like it's like a support system it's a big support system that i didn't realize that i needed until you guys connected us until you connected us so i want to say thank you for that but definitely my my accountability pod ladies oh i love that i love that so Earlier this year, inside our training, mastermind, and mentoring program, we did institute accountability pods. And you know, when I first put them into play, I wasn't quite sure how folks were going to react to them, if folks were interested in them. And I am so darn proud of every person in our accountability pods. I'm so darn proud of our accountability pod leaders who are always pushing the envelope. But I think what one of the most rewarding things for me is to hear you say that because that's when we know they're working, right? It's, yes, it's about goal achievement and doing our very best. But at the end of the day, you know that if you have a problem, you have a handful of girls, you can literally pick up the phone and call and they will be there for you. Yeah, and I they are that. truly the best support system. It's such a, you know, in this industry, I feel like we don't have enough of that. And I think this is such a good, I'm so happy that you did that. So thank you for creating these accountability pods because the oh, support right. system, the support that we get from these from, from these ladies is, is it's really immeasurable. Girl, I want to give you a big old hug right now. And we can't because we're virtual. So I'm sending big old hugs through the broadcast studio. I just want to say how proud I am of you. And I want to thank you for sharing your story. And, you know, it's my goal. And I know this was your goal too, you know, because you did tell me like, oh, I'm totally stepping outside my comfort zone. But mm -hmm. my goal is that, you know, someone hears your story and is inspired by your journey and all the things that you've accomplished. So I, I just want to thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I really appreciate it. All right, girlfriend, two things before you go. If you have not gotten your ticket for the short-term rental virtual summit for women, you have got to do it right now. Head on over to strvirtualsummit.com, grab your ticket, and get ready to make 2024 your best year yet. And last but not least, I want to give a quick shout out to the amazing women inside the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group. Just the other day, Christina Kubinska posted thoughts on Google Vacation Rental and adding your STR to Google Maps. I would love the search exposure, but don't want to disclose our address to anyone who hasn't paid to book. And I don't know if showing your address is required or not. Would love any input. We had lots of ladies actually share their feedback. One of the comments that jumped out at me was from Elizabeth Clunch. And Elizabeth says, I build direct booking websites and I would create a Google Maps listing for your property. And while you're at it, create an immersive video of the property to add on to there. Get as many five stars as you can so you pop up first on search. This will help your page ranking along with using SEO and saving your photos with keywords before uploading to the site. Good luck. I mean, is that not amazing? 
that Elizabeth took a time out of her day to share that phenomenal piece of advice. Elizabeth, thank you. And Christina, I hope that information helped as well as all the other comments you received. And with that, my friend, that wraps up this episode. I hope you have an amazing day, an amazing week, and I cannot wait to see you soon. Hey, sister. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I wanted to let you know about a free resource my team is providing, the STR Success Blueprint Strategy Session. If you're looking to take your STR business to the next level, or heck, even just get it started, this free one-on-one is something you won't want to miss. You'll discover new tools for your STR business and outline an action plan that will help you achieve your goals and reverse engineer your STR success. This session is your chance to get the help you need to succeed. Schedule your free STR success blueprint strategy session right now by visiting stacystjohn.com backslash success.